Welcome to the Flower Hour Podcast, the podcast where conversations blossom. It is your boy, Sean Flores. If you love this podcast and you've really enjoyed it, please share, subscribe and follow and look forward to the journey we will be going on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody. Hope you're good today. Happy Tuesday to everyone. Hope your Monday went well. And I also hope, most importantly, your Tuesday has also gone well. And you're joining me today for my live. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I'll be having a conversation with Konshu from the Manhood Academy, an organization that helps young boys transition into manhood. So yeah, I'll just wait for everyone to trickle in. So yeah, when everyone trickles in, we'll get this going. Yes. You can jump in anytime you're ready. So yeah, I'll be looking forward to you. Let me send this through to them. You can send a request to jump in my live. So yeah, if you've got any questions, let me know. Because it will be great to have those questions coming through as well. And um, hopefully everyone can enjoy this conversation, most importantly. So let's go, let's go, let's go. Hopefully my connection doesn't play up. Hello, brother, how are you? Yes, greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> yes. so, so I'm not the only one who wears a lot of rings. finally connected. Yeah, man. How, how's life been, man? It's been a while since we... Um, last spoke um life is good man just um readapting to um you know the 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 um the quarantine we've all been um just really forced into and just just kind of getting back in the flow of things you know yeah but have how have you been in have you been enjoying the lockdown has it been a, a moment of respite for you uh yeah i mean there's there's been a lot of tragedy happening as we know, we just need to turn on the news to tune into that. But personally, um, you know, I've been keeping my family safe, myself safe and healthy. Um, the people I'm around and the young people I work with healthy. So it's been, I have to say, it's been amazing. It's been phenomenal just in terms of um, just the freedom, really, to, to connect and have some quality time and do some quality work on quality projects. You know, them projects, you say, yeah, you know what, when I get some time, man, I'm, I'm going to go in on that project. You know, it's, it's kind of been that era for me this year. Yeah, absolutely. And as we know, you're one of um, the founders at Manhood Academy, correct? That's correct. Yes, I'm, I'm one of the co-founders of the Manhood Academy for Boys. Uh, we started in 2016. It's going to be our fifth year. So we're blessed to still be here. Um, a lot of companies don't survive beyond five years. So um, yeah, no, we're just blessed um, to still be enriching and empowering our young people, which is really our passion and purpose. Absolutely. And I think my first question for those who do not know what Manhood Academy is about. I do a live every Tuesday. I don't know why it's calling. Um, yeah, let me go back to my question. So my question is, for those who don't know what Manhood Academy is about, could you explain what your organization does and when it was founded? Okay, well, as I said, we were founded in 2016. What is the Manhood Academy? The Manhood Academy is self-development. Um, so I would say those two things, rites of passage, and self-development. Now, when we say rites of passage, um, we deem it a lost art in, in modern day society. 
um, what is rites of passage? Rites of passage was a tradition that was enacted in all cultures all around the world. Um, whether, and this is, we're talking about ancient indigenous. We're talking about ancient Europe, ancient Africa, ancient Australia, ancient China, ancient Asia. Rites of passage was a prerequisite for all young people to go for a process of transitioning from boyhood to manhood and girlhood to womanhood. It usually took part around the age of 13. And um, it was just a, a social construct in order to usher in the boys into becoming men. In those days, it was to protect the women and children of the village or the community, to build a village, you know, and to kind of bring food back, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of a lost art in modern times. And we deem it the missing link in terms of um, what is needed as an essential for our young people. And why do you believe that the rites of passage from boyhood into manhood is the missing link in society? Mm -hmm. uh, well, well, just, 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 just um, pick up the Evening Standard <laughs> or go on ITV London News every day almost. Maybe it's kind of calmed down in the pandemic. But we know what's happening, quote unquote, gun and knife crime in America, gun violence, youth on youth violence, etc. Um, one of the one of the things, um, in my in my humble opinion, and doing this work for many years, fifteen years and going, is that uh, especially with boys, um, boys, uh, your average teenage boy testosterone rises by 800% from the age of 13 to 19. I didn't say 8% or 800%. 800%. So that is like Incredible Hulk from David Banner. All right? <laughs> so that's the spike. All right? That's why boys get broad shoulders, deep voice, big feet all over a sudden. Well, oh, yeah, my feet are size 13. So <laughs> there you go. So from I can definitely testify. <laughs> from a cute little tiny thing oh you're so cute I to like you know big man deep voice so what happens um testosterone also supports um it's a positive thing it's not uh, it's deemed negative generally but it's positive you know it's, it's what it's the get-go factor it makes you want to win makes you want to do things premier league i want to win this match that's testosterone if that testosterone is not channeled correctly it can be detrimental because a boy will feel the need to exhaust his testosterone, whether he's self-aware or not. So a version of exhausting your testosterone would be um, violence, a positive aspect of exhausting your testosterone. That's why a lot of our boys love football. You know, football, sports, challenge, winning. So we deem it, if, if that isn't um, channeled in the correct way via rites of passage, um, as the old saying go, if you do not initiate the young people into the village, they will burn, burn it, down it down to, feel its, to feel its warmth. And that's what's happening in chronic proportions um, currently. Um, and we're seeing it in the media almost every day, not only in London, in, in most world cities around the world. And I think it's very interesting because, as you said, testosterone is not negative. But however, in some senses, when we think about masculinity, and manhood nowadays, it comes with that negative adjective, which is toxic. Now, I want to ask you, what are your views on the notion of toxic mas masculinity when you guys are trying to, when you, when you openly said testosterone is positive, and as you said, boys need to exhaust it, and it's, it's, it's essentially a misdirected fire. So what are your views on toxic masculinity, and are, are, they, are they valid views? My views on to toxic masculinity is it's a modern construct in terms of language, isn't it? When you create language, you create the reality of the language. So, um, you know, anything that goes wrong can be termed towards a negative connotation. Um, in terms of toxic masculinity, I would say um, at the moment in this new millennium, we are going through a phase of gender war all right we're going through a phase of gender war which is really against nature nature stipulates gender harmony 
you see it in nature. You see how animals interact with each other. For some reason, human beings always need to go um, to a polar opposite of verses. <laughs> you know, like Jill Scott versus Erica Badu, even though that was an amazing film. <laughs> but, you know, um, goes into polar opposites in terms of um, this v. this. You know, we see all over, you know, um, we see in religion, we see in politics, we see everywhere. The social construct we're in at the moment, there seems to be a need for a versus. And at the moment, it's becoming, it's, it kickstarted in the 60s, and it's becoming more and more intense in terms of genders are not in harmony. So we're, we're, we're kind of pointing fingers at each other, and we're calling each other names like toxic masculine or toxic masculinity. You know, toxic masculinity is really a byproduct of lack of rites of passage, in my humble opinion. Because if you do not have a mature and highly developed young man, you may get a man who has toxic behavior. And the same goes for women and girls' rites of passage. So the toxicity is really um, just a, a um, it's, just, it's just a side product of the high dysfunction that we're experiencing in our communities. And what would, so when, so we've essentially, there's, I think there's a universal definition at the moment with toxic masculinity. And I suppose that's the need for boys to, that's a very good question. I suppose boy, I guess it's an essence of rape culture, men catcalling, and there's certain other behaviors that a lot of people would define as toxic masculinity. But what does a holistic, positive masculinity look like to you guys at um, Manhood Academy? Well, in essence, I mean, Manhood Academy, what we do is we raise healthy alpha males, which is also uh, has a negative connotation nowadays. Alpha males does not mean it is not alpha male is not the old construct of the macho man, you know, the bully, <laughs> the masculine bully. We're not talking about the alpha male. We're talking about a male who has leadership qualities, a male who has the qualities and attributes of primordial systems of manhood, primordial systems of manhood. And I've got my book here and it's all clearly defined. I've written a book on it called Sacred Man, <laughs> Amazon.com. All right. Sacred Man. So um, in terms of manhood, the primordial manhood is provide, protect, and prepare. Very simple. Provide, protect, and prepare. We're having complaints at the moment, a lot on social media, about our beloved queens, sisters, women, feeling unprotected. All right? So as I said, we're going through gender conflicts at the moment in terms of divining what is positive masculinity. Um, I would say um, a good reference for those of you who like to read is a book called Way of the Superior Man by David Dada. You can get it on Amazon.com. And what he defines is healthy masculinity. At the moment, just like, um, just let's take hip hop music. We're just being saturated Absolute, with the negative, oh. destructive aspects Woo! of the music. And we know back in the day, it was really a, a musical of education. And, and it was revolutionary. Revolutionary. And so, so we're seeing the same things in terms of masculinity at the moment. There is a high focus on the negative aspects of, of the alpha male. And at Manhood Academy, we develop positive, healthy masculinity that will provide, protect our women and children, our, our villages or our communities. And, you know, raise our boys to be successful, not the stereotype. And I think you made a very interesting point. You said there's gender conflict, but some people would define gender as being malleable in the sense of different societies have different notions of what gender looks like. So, for example, there's a tribe in Gambia where the men look good, but the women go out and hunt. So I think maybe perhaps when we think about it, is it a sexual conflict going on in a sense between the sexes, male and female, and I think, what would a cultural, I suppose my, my question is, when you think of the young men that you come engage with at Manhood Academy, how would you ideally 
like them to engage with a society where, as you said, we've got toxic music, we've got gender slash sexual conflicts going on, we've got single parenthood going on, we've got um, economic um, downfalls and so on. How, how do you get them to prepare for that? How do you get them to, you know, be ready for the world, I suppose? Well, exactly. How do we do that? We do that through self-development. You can reference Anthony Robbins, Les Brown, Yolanda Van Sant, etc. Um, Deepak Chopra. You know, they are all about being your highest self. So we teach that to our 8 to 12-year-olds in a very simplified version. We call it preparatory rites of passage. And we teach it to our boys, our 13 to 19-year-olds, in terms of urban rites of passage. So um, how, do we, how do we deal with that? We deal with that through self-development, self-development of self, you know, self-reflection, emotional intelligence, you know, et cetera. So um, those are some of the principles we use in order to raise our boys and young women into healthy, emotionally healthy um, men and women. How important do you believe your organization has been to giving young boys that rites of passage into manhood. But most importantly, what is the impact you've seen that it's had on your surrounding community? Well, the impact can be measured by the feedback we get from um, the families that we work with, as well as the boys. Um, on numerous occasions, I've, um, some of our young people have gone away after they've been fulfilled and enriched by us. We might see them a year later and we will hear the difference from either the family or from the young person himself in, in terms of um, the impact we had, which we not always know in the moment. Um, I call it a sometimes, I call it a digital delay. <laughs> sometimes you work with a young person and you'd be like, damn, man, I just, that was, I just pulled out all everything I know in the books, man. Boy, you know, not knowing that really you are impacting that young person into the future and you may not see the results. Sometimes I'm blessed and I, I deem it as a gift. I might duck up on a young person on the high street and you know, I, w I might not even recognize them. They might be like six foot five now. <laughs> and they'll be like, Mr. Sankofa or Konsu. And then they'll just give me a testament as to where they're at. Based on where they were before, you know, I have numerous stories and the team of people have impacted some of the young people we will never know how we've impacted them and when you think about boys becoming men typically the idea of a boy becoming a man is i suppose done through fathers and mm -hmm. unfortunately in the community we have a lot of single mothers and a lot of absent fathers do you believe as you said the missing link between boyhood and manhood does the manhood academy provide I suppose, a substitute or a supplement to those who are single mothers and without fathers? In some cases, yes. Uh, we are experiencing chronic proportions in our community of single parent families. And it's definitely having an impact on our young people. Not to say um, that in a single parent household, you cannot raise an emotionally healthy young person um, but there's a psychologist, I don't recall his name, but he has a term called father hunger. It's a mm. well-known theory in terms of, um, let's talk about boys, about a boy and girls also, but boys craving, um, you know, um, the, the, the um, connection with their father who may be either deceased or abandoned, father hunger. So we're seeing chronic proportions of that in our community. We do not act as a substitute for a dad, but it's more the theory of it takes a village to raise a child. So we're more like big brother slash uncle, you know, slash et cetera, slash um, positive role model, quote unquote. So when we, we function more so with our boys, for example, in that capacity, just in terms of modeling positive behavior. We have to remember a lot of our boys come in Special teens, they come in corded up yep. on their phone, texting yep. their girlfriend, maybe not pay much attention to us in our first session. They're like, what are yeah. these guys? Who are these guys, man? You know, uh, week two, they might have their phone in their pocket, 
and might pretend they're not listening. <laughs> you know, a couple weeks in, they'll be in the door. How you doing, man? Respect. What are we doing yeah. today? What, 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 what are we doing? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm good, you know. So, you know, it's a process. Remember, a lot of our boys, I'm talking probably about boys, but we also have the Woman at Academy for girls. Um, but to do with our boys, a lot of them, especially in the chronic proportions of single parent households, um, do not understand the concept, for example, of, I call it man tone. <laughs> you know, when a grown man is giving them some tough love and reasoning with them, a lot of them don't recognize that tone. It's like, who are you t- wait, who are you talking to? You know, you might get back and it would be like, you, my young prince, you know, and then we'll have to have a back and forth until you realize that I'm an older and I'm speaking to you with love and respect in order to grow you. So I call it man tone. A lot of our teenage boys are not familiar with that tone. And that's <laughs> so very interesting. Tone, <laughs> you know? But in terms of man tone, in terms of single parent household, that's learned behavior. We have to instill that in our boys and just show them that we, we, we speak to them sometimes very harshly through love and care. You know? That's very interesting because when I, when I went to a school to teach with um, some of my other colleagues, um, the students listened to us boys without even having to question. We didn't have to raise our voice too much. But then when a woman spoke, even the young females and some of the males, they didn't listen at all. And you made a good point in the sense of a man tone. When I was growing up, my dad unfortunately died, but he was always present. He was with my mum. They were married. But when my mum spoke, I didn't really necessarily always take it seriously. But then when my uncles or some of my male relatives would speak to me, it makes you buck up. It's almost as if biologically it just hits you somewhere and you listen more. Um, why do you think that is, I suppose? Why do you think man tone makes young boys want to listen? Is it a sense of resonance? I would say it's, it's very primordial. Um, and, um, you know, um, I know a lot of um, single parent households that are doing amazing jobs in terms of raising boys to men and girls to women. Um, but there is something um, that can be learned from, for example, being in a healthy household where uh, a boy, for example, can model um, a man, a healthy man's behavior. He can model his tone, his body language. He can observe him. He can observe maybe when there's conflict between mom and dad and how it's resolved with intelligence and in a healthy manner. So he can be like, okay, this is how you do this, you know? Um, And if that's not around, I guess we just have to adapt and um, learn how we learn. But there is something, um, and it's it's written off in many psychological, psychology books and whatnot, but there is something, there is an essence that only a a man can give to a boy in terms of modeling positive, healthy masculinity. Okay. And I know through the work Manhood Academy um, does that you guys also go to Gambia, if I'm correct. So could you take me through that connection with Gambia and what, why, do, why does your organization go to Gambia in specifically? Well, the intention of going to Gambia, which we did in our formative years, was to really um, go in, for a better word, on rites of passage. Because rites of passage really is a transition from boyhood to manhood. And rites of passage has to be impactful so it will ingrain in the, almost in the subconscious of the boy. In, 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 in our indigenous cultures, it may be an extreme. Obviously, we won't advocate that in Western society and in this culture. But, you know, yeah. you've heard of circumcision being the rites of passage. Yeah. You've heard of, um, you know, kind of real extremes bring a, t- a lion's tooth back to the village. Yeah. I mean, real extremes where your, where your bravery, courage, intelligence, it's all the tested. things you've trained to do will be put to the test, you know. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the essence of rites of passage. We've also taken our boys... Um, through Europe, we took a, a bunch of boys also to Holland, um, where they we did a, an exchange program with another youth organization in Amsterdam. And um, these things, I mean, some of the boys, for example, have never traveled. Okay. So it's definitely going to leave a lasting impact. They're going to remember that when they're 35, 60, 20. They will remember 
So rites of passage has to be something that is so impactful that it will almost kickstart a boy's manhood in terms of he went through a, a challenge and a test and he came out on the other side winning. Okay, and when, so when you've gone to Gambia, when you've gone to Holland, what do you take your young boys through on that transition? Well, in essence, rites of passage is, um, it's, 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 it's a process like an education, just like studying for many years and then doing your GCSEs. You get the test and the exam at the end. So at Man of the Academy, we instill the values, you know, emotional intelligence, social skills, entrepreneurship, um, spirituality in terms of um, meditation and mindfulness. Um, you know, there's a collage of things that we instill into our young people and then they will be tested on it. So in terms of um, going abroad, I mean, we haven't done the full rites of passage as we wish and we will do in future, but such things as um, going to Africa and maybe um, having an experience of humility, just being uh, observing, okay, I got Air Jordans, I got North okay. Star, I got, you know, I got Gucci, but look at these, you know, uh, maybe helping out in a school, supporting a school, building a school, come, going over to Africa, twinning with a school, we're going to build up a room or a building, we're going to do some work, you know, we're going to visit people and we're going to connect. Um, one of the things in terms of rites of passage on our curriculum is the country we go to, we twin the boys with another boy of their age from that country. So in that exchange, there is a process, especially for our boys. I mean, we're, we're pretty much spoiled in this country, adults and young people. Absolutely. In terms of materialistic things. So there is a process of humility and a humbling process that impacts our boys when they travel abroad. Okay, so could you tell us perhaps, what would a test look like to measure a young boy's emotional intelligence or humility? I would say for emotional intelligence, the test is ongoing. wouldn't be a spot-on test. Mm. We, we do have tests, for example, um, some years ago, I took a bunch of boys um, to Pembrokeshire in Wales, and they had to coast there around the, the Irish Sea in four-scale winds, waves. They had to jump. Obviously, they had a, a special specialist guy that gave us all the safety equipment and whatnot, but it was real danger. That sounds <laughs> fun, though. Warm. We had to jump in, swim for about, I don't know, 10 minutes to the other side, climb on the rocks, climb up a cliff, and then jump off the cliff into, into the ocean. Obviously, safely done via safeguarding and risk assessments, but real challenge and danger. Now, the beauty I remember of, of that experience is through the training we had done with the young boys throughout that year, is there were some, I won't say weaker boys, but not as strong as swimmers at the back. We were all swimming, you know, towards this destination. There were some boys at the back. Some of the stronger boys at the front who were just gone, you know, some of them turned back. They went to the back and they supported the boys, you know, to make it through to the other end. That's rites of passage. That is yeah. brotherhood and camaraderie. That is our chant is, I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's protector. These are all the principles that are instilled through a traditional rites of passage. And those lessons in that experience, we have an expectation the boys will bring that into their life at a future time. And I think that's, it's very interesting. And using the example that you said, where the stronger swimmers would come back and look after the swimmers who perhaps weren't swimmer, um, great swimmers. I can't swim, so... Looks like I'm going to have to ask those stronger swimmers to take care of me. When we think of, I guess, the idea of rites of passage um, and it, it being very primordial, do women still need protection from men in the same way they once did? So some people may say it's a little bit outdated in some senses. So how would you modernize the sense of a woman needing protection from guys or from a boy, a man? Well, you're right and correct. I mean, the traditional model, say 1930s, of the man going out 
um, given his lunchbox by his wife while she stays home and cleans the house. That's dead. <laughs> yeah, them, those days are long gone, man. Modern era. We are in a modern era. Uh, I said it, I said the book Way of the Superior Man is a very good reference in terms of where we're at in modern times. Um, but I think more it's about raising balanced men. So we're raising men that are strong and protective, as well as men who are sensitive and nurturing. You know, they will protect their children from any obstacles around them. But at the same time, if that child scrapes his knee and they're crying, they have the capacity to be nurturing and kind and gentle. So I would say the modern man really is shifting not towards the macho man, which is an outdated concept, Absolutely. but the balanced male. And also women in terms of balance. And I think that's, it, it's very beautiful. And I think the word balance is overused, but typically understated, you know, the sense, as you said, a child may fall down. A man should always, you know, even if he says, be strong, get up, remind him, positively affirm him. Why do you think, I suppose, a lot of boys are not as emotionally available as we would like them to be? Because even I think I struggle with it myself. I struggle with words of affirmation. Um, because I think, when I think about love languages, when I, the way I was raised was my mum, I knew my mum loved me through acts of service, but she didn't tell me regularly that she loved me. But I knew she loved me, but... I think actions are nothing sometimes without words of affirmation. So I think it kind of scarred me a little bit. I'm not always as emotionally available as I'd like to be. So why do you think that a lot of these boys, I suppose, are not as emotionally available as they could be and as they should be? Well, it's a kind of oxymoron. I would say, that especially for teenage boys, um, they are highly emotional, almost over-emotional. And in the context of conflict, for example. You may some, see some boys from different ends, you know, walking down the road. One of them might look at you a bad way. It happened the other day on the train, the guy just got a bad look from some guys on the other side of the platform and he lost his life. Highly emotional. So in terms of emotional intelligence and emotional regulation, which are principles that we teach at Manhood Academy, a small, minute conflict can blow up into a loss of life. Highly emotional in terms of managing your own feelings in, in conflict. So I would say a lot of our boys are highly emotional. But in, and about the same time, the oxymoron is um, some of our boys lack emotion, you know, lack emotional expression or emotional language. These are also things we teach at Manhood Academy or we train our boys to, to aspire to. Um, I would say that's a general statement also in terms of emotional intelligence. I would say social media is having devastated, a devastating impact on the emotional intelligence of um, the newer generations, um, just in terms of the communications here. <laughs> it's here on the phone, mm. you know, as opposed to interaction, body language, gauging someone's social skills, um, their tone. You know, you know, you can gauge a lot from just interacting live with a person. A lot of that, especially in this pandemic, a lot of that is going into our little mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's where you're communicating, where you can't gauge um, certain things of a human being, such as tone, body language, um, you know, all of those things that, that make up human interaction. So we need to really find a balance between technology and tradition. And how have you been able to find a balance between technology and tradition at Manhood Academy? Because when I've taught children, the way I teach them is I ask every child to turn off their phone completely. And I mean, turn it off because I want your attention. I want to lock in. And you can see children struggle because we live in an attention deficit society where we're so used to consuming information in such bite-sized amounts. To get someone to listen for more than 10 minutes in itself is pretty much a miracle. So how are you able to find that balance between technology and tradition? Well, we nurture such principles as patience. <laughs> patience is like a module at Manhood Academy. Just like, hold on, patience. Patience, right, we're Yoda. Patience, you know. Um, the other thing is, um, in terms of balance, um, 
I mean, we 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 um we had a BAFTA nominated doc documentary we you can see on our um on our YouTube site, Manhood Academy official, Manhood Academy official. It was called Boys to Men, and we went on a journey with them to um uh, a retreat near Bournemouth. Um, you know, kind of in the woods, secluded. That was on BBC, right? It was on BBC. Yeah, yeah. I remember I watched it. Yeah, if you if you watch the first like ten minutes of that, yeah, as we were beginning our journey, yeah, Jay Change, one of the team, he had a bag and he said, "Phones." <laughs> yep, I absolutely <laughs> agree. About man, let me just text my girlfriend. You know, nah. so check in there to check out the technology for the, um, yep. the the week that we were there, and um, I deem technology. Um, I when I speak to parents because we also have the parenthood academy. We don't just teach the young people, but we have sessions for the parents also. And um, me personally, in my sessions, I say to parents that maybe view um, mobile phone game consoles as an A-class drug. I agree. I, I fundamentally agree. Fundamentally, I absolutely... People don't realise that games and social media, the way they're designed is to be addictive. For example... When you think about um, Instagram, you have your phone, you scroll down the feed, it's built like a casino. So you're always looking for a different hit. Think about it. When you have your notifications for Instagram as well, notification, noti it's small hits of dopamine. People just don't realize these are all class A drugs, games. Whilst I think gaming has a good element in the sense of it creates a social community, fundamentally, it is built to play on people's addictive personalities. Most definitely, dopamine, endorphins, etc. Little, little pings, little fixes. Oh, yes. Got a like, ping. Yep. In your, in your, in your, um, you know, in your pineal gland. So, um, yeah, um, just if as I always say to Pierce, if you view technology, game consoles, mobile phones, TikTok, social media, etc as an A-class drug, then that gives you the mindset and how to deal with your young people. Absolutely. Right? Um, so we encourage regulation, maybe time, um, you know, give, give um, specific times, you know, time for study, time for um, social media, time for family time, you know, so everything's on a time gauger. And um, yeah, just really, um, it's about managing and putting in healthy boundaries of technology, you know. And when we think about the work that Manhood Academy does, you've created a family amongst boys. And these boys, they come into men, and you have men that look after these boys, and so on. And as you said, when you go out on the street, there's individuals who, you're not sure whether your work impacted them at the moment, but you realise it impacted them in the long run. How important is this idea of family for a young boy? Well, as I said, it takes a village to raise a child. Now, those of us who were raised in the, um, say, the 70s and 80s um, will remember first-generation Windrush, for example, Caribbean families. Uh, we were all interconnected. I remember when I was a young child, we would have auntie and uncle come round for Sunday dinner. They would play soccer and dominoes. You know, the, the guys will get a bit tipsy and, and have debates. And they'll slam the the dominoes on the table hard for no reason. Slamming dominoes on the table. Traditional Caribbean household, okay? Yeah. Second and third generation Windrush in the UK. That Those things have been lost. When I speak to some of our young people, because I, I, I share my life with the young people, you have, to, you have to create a connected rapport, right? So I'm not just going to be like the teacher. You know, sometimes I tell them all my business about when I was young, what I had to do, etc., when I tell them about how things were in my household, they just look at me like, wow, that sounds great. <laughs> it's like, I have a concept of it. We, unfortunately, in Western society, it's about singularity. We are encouraged to be singular. Family constructs are not supported. Singularity is supported. So with our young people, that's some of them, not all, but some of them, that's all they know. You know, so we have to bring it back in a family construct and just ingrain those values in our young people so they can, they can instill those things in their young people when they have their own families. And I think another one of my questions to you would be, I think 
I know the work you do is pivotal. I've watched the documentary. I've come along to um, some of your sessions and I look at it and I marvel and I think, I wish I had this when I was younger. I went to um, Pathfinders, which is, uh, I suppose, a religious scouts. And I didn't enjoy it because once you take away the religious dogma, it's essentially the same as normal scouts. But I didn't really align with the religious sense. So I wish I could have gone to something like the Manhood Academy. When you look at how the young boys interact with their parents, for example, or when you look at how parents interact with their you know, children, and as you said, there's this idea of singularity. There's no longer, a, a, I suppose, a importance placed on the family and raising the family and the village raising the family. Is there any way that we can go back as a community to allow the village to raise the community and not just the parents? Yeah, um, it, it takes, um, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, I mean, I, I do a lot of talks around a community kind of rap table audience debates and stuff like that. And um, the question always pops up. Someone will put their hand up and say, we need to, we need to create schools. We need to. And I always pose the same question. What are you going to do? <laughs> You're saying, we, who's we? You do something. I don't, obviously, I'm not rude like that, but I'm saying you do something. I'm doing something. If you do something, then we're walking, working forward. So it takes the responsibility onto self. So if we, if we want community, we have to create community. Mm. We have to create it. With my children, they know they have a healthy range of adults around them. That's brother, friend, uncle, grandparents. So they're surrounded with a wide, not just me, or mum, but they're surrounded with a wide range of um, people to model, to model around, to model them and shape them into, into their adulthood. So, you know, it's just about creating a community. I get this question a lot, unfortunately, from single parent mothers. Um, and as I said, we're living in a time of singularity. And a lot of mothers are saying, I fell out with my mom. I don't speak to my brother. My father's passed away. My sister lives abroad. I have no one. What do I do? And I have this boy with a deep voice that's challenging me. And my answer to that is you might need to put work in. You might need to create community. You might need to create social circles where you have a support system. So if you don't have it, create it. Manifest it. You know? That's a very interesting point, I suppose, because when I grew up, I grew up around... So I was raised by mainly women, actually. So when uh, my father died, unfortunately, my aunties all promised to look after me until they would die. And they're all still alive, thank God, and I'm still really close with them. And um, it was interesting because when my uncle used to come around, he used to be like, don't you play with no boys? And I said, but all I've ever known is women. So much so that I used to get like, you know, the small jabs and the small jokes of, oh, you must be gay. And I'm like, no, I learned a lot from being around mainly women. But as you, as you said, I would have loved to have been around a bit more male, a bit more, you know, male influence and so on. How would a single parent go about raising that community? So they can come to Manhood Academy. They might bring their child there. But what is the groundwork a parent would have to do, as suppose, to create that community? Well, I guess you need to find your community, just like you find your friendship circle. There's some friends you have that are lifelong friends from primary or high school. There are some friends that you, you met last week and you developed deep and meaningful friendships with. So it's the same thing in terms of community. You know, you build your community. If you come to Manhood Academy, some of the parents connect with each other outside of Manhood Academy. Some of the parents have um, support systems outside of Manhood Academy. Some parents um, do childcare and, you know, share things. I want to go out on a date, <laughs> you know, can you help. And another, another mother might support that. So they've created communities so that they can get on with their own lives. Another thing we encourage at Manhood Academy, in terms of parenthood academy, um, we're all parents, but we're not teaching you how to be parents. Mm. It's a roundtable conversation where we are exchanging ideas and concepts of progressive parenting for the millennials as we term it, 
<laughs> all right? So in terms of parenting, you know, it's just like, you know, mom's got a life too. Mom wants to go out, you know, to the wine bar with her friends and have a glass of wine too. So we always encourage, encourage you're putting all this time and energy into your children. But it needs to be my, my favorite word, as you probably gather by now, is balance. Balance. Yeah, balance. You need to have your own social life. Go for a spa retreat with your friends. Go on a date. Take Boy. your husband out. You know, so they have oh, to you hear that one? Take your husband out. We thank God finally someone. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's all balance is the key word with, uh, with Brother Constant. Yeah, I think, again, it's, it's to me, this is common sense. But I suppose to some people, this is going to be new and it's going to be knowledge that they might battle with at first. But it's very small things that make a big difference, Honshu. You know, um, I wish my mum went out more with um, her friends when I was younger because I could feel my mum's resentment. I could feel my mum's anger. I could feel it. And I, I, I think a lot of young boys probably testify to this. When my dad died, my mum always said to me, she said, if it wasn't for you, Sean, I would have been gone. And I remember I went to school and my teachers always said my mum looked on the verge of a nervous breakdown. My mum projected a lot of her fears, her anxieties, her worries on me. So when she would beat me, for example, I felt that resentment. I felt that anger. I felt the fear of, my son might become wayward. And I think with my mum, she's a great mother, but she was so afraid that I'd go off the straight and narrow, I ended up taking a little bit of detours just to prove to her I could go off the straight and narrow and I could come back whenever I wanted. So when we think about it, from, boy, from boys to men, you said men know a boy better than, you know, a mother can know a boy. So why do you think it's so hard for some people just to acknowledge that very simple fact? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I say, there's an old saying, if mom ain't happy, no one's happy in the house, right? Yeah. If mom ain't happy, no one's happy. You know, in terms of um, the family construct, yes, I mean, our parents do the best they can do. And me also as a parent, I just do the best I can do with the skill set I have. You know, your mother did a phenomenal job. Look at you. I've checked your profile. I've seen the amazing things you've done and the high academia you've achieved. So she did a phenomenal job, you know, and it's about adaptation and resilience in terms of what your mother achieved with, with her beloved son, you know. So nevertheless, whether we're in single parents, we're in a healthy married family setting and we will adapt to the circumstance and do the best we can and make the sacrifices um, that are necessary to build our children into, you know, successful and healthy young people. And you yourself, you said you're a parent. How have you taken the principles from Manhood Academy into your own parenting life and into your everyday life? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a saying um, that um, our children are come down or are born to teach us how to be adults. Oh. Our children are born to teach us how to be parents. What was okay. I doing before my children were born? I was in the club. <laughs> I was born and I was, you know, I, I had my car and I, you know, I was, I was socializing i was traveling and stuff which is all good but when you have that child as a responsible parent it's a rites of passage a rites of passage also is having a child rites of passage is marriage eldership is another rites of passage birth is actually a rites of passage in traditional culture so we have to adapt you know our children actually evolve us if we're attuned to our children and our children are our best teachers so it's not always the, the parents saying, you must do this. If we tune into our children, they're actually teaching us. Okay. See, I didn't really see it like that. When I think about it, I suppose we look at parenthood as the destination. You must be ready. You must be at this place to have children. But as you said, birth is a rite of passage. You know, having a child helps you to become an adult and so much more. So... 
how do you aid parents? Because you said there's also the Parenthood Academy. So what does the Parenthood Academy look like within the Manhood Academy? Well, the Parenthood Academy, it's the, the, we call it progressive parenting for the millennials. The millennials are a whole different ball game. And I'm not talking about millennials like them. I'm just talking about those born in, in the time of the new millennium. The millennium, all right? So, for example, old school parenting. Speak when you're spoken to. You're the, the child, I'm the parent. The millennials. What? But I have something to say. Speak when you're spoken to, but I got something to say. <laughs> okay? Uh, what other example of, of the millennials and how we have to adapt? Um, speak when you're spoken to is another one. A, char uh, a child is seen and not, not heard. heard. You heard of that one, right? Yep. But I have a voice. I have something to say. There's something that I want to talk to you about. I mean, I hear your point. But can I express my point? This is the mindset of the millennials. So we can be old school and lose our children. Yeah. All right. They join the gang. They leave home. They're in conflict with the family. You have no more connection with your child. Or you can adapt. Mm. So we have a, a progressive dialogue, a healthy dialogue with the parents. Not really teaching the parents, but having a healthy dialogue. We may reference... Um, the people I've just mentioned, Deepak Chopra and his concept of spiritual parenting, or Yolanda Van Sant, um, you know, maybe even Oprah, you know, who all have kind of progressive conversations on parenting if you just kind of YouTube um, that concept. So we have a roundtable conversation of how do we parent our children, the new millennials, because it's very different to how we were raised. Okay, and I, I, I wish... Again, I think these are just such important conversations to have in the sense of when we think about the dynamics between a parent and a child, they're so important. Childhood is everything. It's the foundation upon which we're built. And um, as you said, with, with my mum, the one thing I always heard was, you're the child, I'm the parent. What I say is right and what I say must go. But there was many times my mother was wrong. And my mother didn't want to take the blame. She didn't want to say, no, I was wrong. And I think there's lessons that I can take away and that I can learn. How important is it as a parent and as a teacher at Manhood Academy to teach young boys, especially, to perhaps have patience with their parents? Right. Well, we, we deal it as a holistic cycle because we also encourage the parents to have patience with their children in terms of um, active listening and um, hearing what the child has to say respectfully with boundaries in place. But, um, you know, as I said, that old concept of speak when you're spoken to, um, those rules do not apply with our young people because they have, they have you know, can I say they, they may have a different level of emotional IQ, not meaning smarter, but they have to deal with things differently in their constructs of society. So it's healthy for our young people to be fully self-expressed um, as opposed to suppressed. So and we encourage that. We encourage, okay, how do you manage conflict? Yes, you can have a conversation. Um, have a conversation with your parent. And we encourage the parents to have a conversation, but with respectful boundaries. You can be upset about something, communicate with your with your family, with your parent, for example, without being disrespectful so that you feel you're heard and maybe work something out. So for us, that's the kind of um, modern version of parenting, you know? Mm. And in accordance with parenting, Giselle Lizzie has just asked the question, do you think that there is a difference between millennial and traditional parenting? Um, I would say it's, it's about adaptation and moving with the times. We're in a different time from 30, 40 years ago. So we just have to, we have to adapt. As I said, you can be in a fixed way of being and lose your children. I'm leaving home. Now I'm 17, 18, I'm leaving. I had enough. Or you can, you can be like a branch in the wind. You adapt to the scenario. You, you keep those modern traditional values in your family. But at the same time, you be flexible in terms of things have changed and we're in a different era. We're in a digital age. A lot of us are analog 
analog beings, as I call them. Remember, a few years ago, there was like, we're going to switch. Remember on the TV, yeah. it was like, we're switching to digital. Okay? Yeah. That was not only a marketing um, concept or a, a media concept, that was also a social concept. That was an era when we switched from analog to digital as a people. Our kids are digital kids. Absolutely. So we have to yeah, the kids, um, people don't, if they don't understand, kids today are called digital natives in the sense of they're natives of the digital, of the digital era and of the era of the informational technology society that we're in. So, Poncho, I've got to ask you a few more last questions. Where does the Manhood Academy see itself in the next five years and what are your continuing objectives? Well, our continued objectives, when we started... Um, we started and we said, well, let's start like with a, a small group of young people. We'll start in um, North London. Yeah, and we'll see how it goes. On day one, whoosh, there was a sea of young people. It was like, whoa. Since that time, we've had people from Australia. I'm going to try and remember them. Australia, Africa, South Africa, um, America, um, Thailand, Holland. Um, globally, people have said, you know what, we'd love to do some work with you. We love managing. So we're still on that journey. We're um, in talks about building Manor Academy in Birmingham now that the pandemic's kind of kind of over. Um, Listen, you have to come talks. to South. Hmm? You have to have one in South. South London, yeah. You've got to. Yes. <laughs> it has to be in Brixton. It can only be Brixton. Are you sure you want to go in such gentrified areas now? Let's not go there. Let's not go there. That's a very sensitive... I grew up in around Brixton. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as the, it's, still, it's still kind of the, um, the heart of the African-Caribbean mm. community, even though it's been gentrified. So um, yeah, we're, we're exploring different avenues and different cultural exchange programs around the world. And definitely, we've got our eyes in New York. And we've got our eyes on Birmingham in terms of the UK. And we're just kind of exploring. We're going to do summer programs in different countries. And that's how we're going to bring Manhood Academy to different countries. One of the team, um, Kahinde, he does a summer camp in an orphanage in Nigeria. So we'll be bringing Manhood Academy to Nigeria in the future. So we're, we're about, we're, we have a global mindset in terms of our goals and aspirations. And Konshu. How can people support and help the work that Manhood Academy does? Are you looking for volunteers? Are you looking for people to help facilitate what you do? Most definitely. We're always looking for volunteers, whether that be whether you're an accountant, a fundraiser, um, a life coach, etc. Um, we're always looking for a skill set of people to just come into the village, into the community. So um, simply go to our website manhood academy official if you type in manhood academy you're going to get all sorts of different organizations we are the official manhood academy so type in manhood academy official you see i'm i'm, I'm grounding it with the <laughs> manhood academy official um and then you can get all our information via our website and our social media man i think the work you do, Konshu, is pivotal. It's significant. It's important. I'm thankful that we're even able to have this conversation. And when you come to South, I'm going to be working with the Manhood Academy. Because when yes. I came, it was so far. That was the only issue I had. And I think, as you said, when you first opened the Manhood Academy, there was a sea of people. So it tells you people need it. People want it. Yeah. And our community is craving it so the work you do can never be underestimated it can never be understated so i have to say thank you on my behalf for the work that you do most importantly you know so i want to say thank you for having this conversation with me and i believe everyone that's tuned in now and everyone that will tune in is going to learn a lot from this and they'll be able to source you yes yes bless um bless up to marge g who i've seen has just been She's been blitzing comments, so thank you. And, and, and just engaging, thank you. Engaged, thank you for that. Bless, bless, bless. As I said, um, look for us on Manhood Academy Official 
to get to know what we do. Um, you can see our Instagrams right here, Manhood Academy Official. And our website is also Manhood Academy Official. And our YouTube. So um, check us out and let's build. All our contact details are right there. Absolutely. Listen, I'm looking forward to us collaborating and us working more. And we have to get the Womanhood Academy on here as well. Let's make it happen. Yeah, man. So you know, you know how it goes. I'm going to send you a copy of the live. So if people have liked it, you know, comment, share, subscribe, do whatever needs to be done. Because these are the conversations that we need to have. Yep. Organizations and communities like yours are doing great work. And it needs so much more spotlight. So I have to say thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And as we say at Manhood Academy, be the change you wish to see in the world. Amen. Instead of asking for it to be done, do it. And definitely. So I've got to say thank you and we'll definitely keep in contact. Okay. Bless. Bless. So Contra, I'll speak to you soon. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to having you again. If you've enjoyed, share, subscribe, follow and make sure everybody gets to have the blessing that is conversations and remember flower hour is the podcast where conversations blossom